What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. Hello and welcome to a Wednesday night edition of the Chase Thomas podcast. Joining me as he does at the start of every Wednesday night episode, it's Austin Gale of ProFootballFocus.com. Austin, good evening. How are you? Doing great, man. Thanks for having me on. This is becoming a fun weekly segment. I mean, I'm, I hope you're having fun because you're doing this every week now, and I hope I'm not just like pulling you away from something far more significant at PFF. No, you're good, man. I mean, Wednesday nights, what better to do than just kind of talk football? There's nothing on. There is literally nothing on tonight. I was looking through stuff. There's like three NHL games, no MLB games, nothing. No NFL, no college, nothing going on. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like that. It's midweek, perfect midweek, and you don't have the Thursday night game, you know, obviously waiting for the weekend to start, but it is a good night to talk football, reflect on the past week, look forward to this week. Yeah, man, it's uh, it's going to be good. Like, you know, I might bring up the fact that Derek Carr might be like a lesser version of Andy Dalton, and I think Andy <laughs> Dalton deserves a lot more respect than uh, he gets these days. I think what people think Derek Carr is, is what Andy Dalton actually is. Is that crazy? I've been thinking about that for like the last like three days. I think it's an interesting comparison. I think the biggest thing with Derek Carr, and it's kind of been his calling card these past two seasons, his past two bad seasons, if you want to even count, you know, this season is, is a tough one already to start, is his play under pressure. He's been one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL playing and making decisions under pressure in each of these last, you know, past two seasons and through five games now. And if that continues, that is, you know, the crux of a bad quarterback. If you can't play good under pressure and you turn the ball over under pressure, you're going to be in the basement of the league in terms of being among the quarterbacks. I think when you play good under pressure, you can have career years. Like you saw with Case Keenum a year ago, he played good under pressure. He ends up earning a big contract because he looks good. But playing under pressure is just so key. And Derek Carr is one of those guys that has just continued to struggle these past two seasons. I'm, I got to say it. Case Keenum's my guy. I'm a little nervous. I think I'm out. I think this is going to end up getting worse. But I will say, I will say on this podcast last week, I said when we went through the schedule, I'm like, I think this team's about to implode. I think 6 and 10's on the table. They just got run out of the building by Isaiah Crowell and the Jets this Sunday. Like, Crowell had like, what, over 200 yards this Sunday? Yeah, I think 219 yards. And I have oh to God. say... I held on to hope after last week. I thought maybe they could put some pieces together. After seeing the showing against the Jets, I am completely out on the Broncos. I think this is an abysmal season. It's only going to get worse. You might as well start Kelly at this point. See what you have at the, you know, on the on the bench. It's just there's not a lot of positives on this roster. When Case Keenum is playing like he is now, it's just it's a lot easier to start looking towards the future than to try and salvage the season. Yeah, I think I might pick Vance Joseph as my most likely first coach fired. I think that's where I'm at. I don't think it's Garrett. I think Garrett just why why bet against him at this point? He's like one of the longest tenured Cowboys coaches of all time. Like, are we sure that it's ever going to happen? Like, are we sure they just won't fire Scott Linehan? Um, I will say I didn't realize that Travis Frederick is the highest graded center since 2014. 
per PFF. Like that's something that I think we're discounting a little bit because I don't know, I guess I've always had like Alex Mack in the back of my mind, but like, and Travis Kelsey, obviously, but, um, or Jason Kelsey, excuse me. And you know, it, he's just gone and probably not coming back. And I don't know. I don't think it's the biggest thing, you know, like Jason Garrett, not, uh, going for it in overtime and electing to punt inside uh, Texans territory. I mean, that was not great in overtime, so they deserve that loss. But um, I don't know. I'm still just – I can't quit the Cowboys yet. I don't know if it's because I want Dak to succeed or that we saw a little bit of Zeke in the passing game and that opened things up a lot. And that defense is really good. Byron Smith might be the best cornerback in football this year. Um, I don't know. I just And they have maybe the best rookie linebacker, our guy, Mr. Neck. I, I don't even know <laughs> – what, like it's just the traps and everything that man is a freak of nature but he's like one of those dudes if you're taking notes during uh the cowboys games you're like there he is again there's lathan there he is again he's just all over the place he's getting at least 10 tackles or getting involved in everything he's good in coverage like sean lee who that's the thing in dallas right now because uh i think they're fine i think they're now linebacker you or defense you at the very least so i have no idea what to make of the cowboys but i just they're still just dabs of bright spots that I just g- gives me hope because also Austin, you're very familiar with this and it leads us into the first thing I want to talk about. The NFC East sucks. And um, I just think nine and seven might be enough to win this division this year. And if you're telling me that you can roll out the Cowboys going nine and seven this year, I, I just, I think that's a little, little much. Uh, it's a little much. The Redskins were in first a week ago. The Eagles are, I mean, they're, they should be the favorite, but who knows? Maybe they're having a Super Bowl hangover. I don't know. But uh, that leads us to the Eagles. But before we even get into my Le'Veon and Pitts, uh, Pittsburgh and Philadelphia stuff, what do you make of everything I just unloaded on you there? <laughs> I think you know, I want to definitely touch on Leighton Van Der Esch. He has played lights out in wake of Sean Lee's injury. He's doing a very good job in coverage, like you said, playing good against Ron. And you have to love this guy's story. He's coming out of a town in Idaho that right now census has at 500 people. He played on an eight-man high school football team. He walks on Incredible. to Boise State, has one year of good college production, first-round pick later, and now he's the highest-graded rookie linebacker in the NFL right now. Insanity. I think this guy has a huge chip on his shoulder and a chip on his neck, if you had to, if you had to guess. This guy <laughs> is playing lights out, and you have to be really excited about the future of that position because you, know, you have Jalen Smith, you know, Leighton Van Der Esch, and Sean Lee has been banged up here and there. You can move on from Sean Lee, stop having that question mark at the linebacker, and keep Van Der Esch there. And I'm glad you also brought up Byron Jones. He is easily playing like the be- as the best corner in football right now. He is the number one corner in football. He did have a tough outing against DeAndre Hopkins, but no corner in the NFL doesn't have a tough outing against DeAndre Hopkins. I think this is a guy you can lean on moving forward. You're, you're Leighton Van Der Esch, you like Demarcus Lawrence, you can get him to a contract extension. There's pieces to like on the defense. However, Jason Garrett's decision-making combined with Dak's you know, poor to mediocre play is just not going to do it for the Cowboys if they want to be a 10-win, 11-win team. Yes, a 9-win team can win this division because of how bad they're playing. Carson Wentz isn't the same guy. The Giants are in the gutter. Redskins don't look good at all. 9-win team can win this division, but if they want to be a powerhouse in this NFC, that very good NFC, they're going to need to get better at the quarterback position, and they're going to need to make better decisions on the sideline. Yeah, I just I have no feel, but I will say... I'm all the way back in on Philadelphia if they trade for Le'Veon Bell. I'm I'm out on that. I actually have an article okay. coming out tomorrow that I think that Corey Clement, Wendell Smallwood can replace the production of JHI, if not exceed expectations. Do you think JHI is a short yardage back? They handed the ball off to him in short yard situations on third and fourth down. Twice he picked up one first down. Corey Clement 
And when those Longwood combined for five first downs on five opportunities, they can be the short yard pack. They're better in the passing game. They've played well in pass protection compared to Jay Ajayi. I think these guys can exceed his production that he was putting out this season and play better. And I don't think that running back position is as pivotal as Carson Wentz playing a lot better. He needs to improve his play, find his receivers, get Zach Ertz more involved, get Dallas Goddard involved or Goddard. I like Goddard. It sounds cooler. But get Dallas Goddard involved. I think this offense goes around the quarterback position. That starts with Carson Wentz. I don't think they need to you know, blow their load on Le'Veon Bell and try and start thinking about contract extension. They're already in a rough cap situation. I think they keep the backs they have. If they want to add a key veteran, I understand for depth. But I think the real efforts need to be placed on getting Carson Wentz back to where he was last year. You really can't go wrong with ex-Wisconsin <laughs> running backs. You really can't. No, you can't. Just, you can't. It's amazing. Unless they're Monty Ball. Unless, you name, unless they're named Monty Ball. Uh, then, it, then it's a little bit tough. Monty Ball was a, definitely yeah. a huge disappointment. I, I, you know, everyone was high on him, including myself. I think you'd like to see him have, you know, he's the one blemish on that Wisconsin running back track that they have with Melvin Gordon, Corey Clement. There's a bunch of guys that came out of that school. And Jonathan Taylor's well. coming now. Oh, I love Jonathan Taylor. I love Jonathan Taylor. And you look at it, one of my favorite stats is, how you perform when you're contacted at or behind the line of scrimmage. Last year, when Jonathan Taylor was contacted at or behind the line of scrimmage, facing early adversity, he averaged 4.79 yards per carry. That's insane. When you're getting that kind of yardage through contact, it just shows how much you're able to create when the offensive line is breaking down. I think this guy is going to be a stud. Do I spend a first-round pick on him, given running back value? It's hard to say at this point, but I do think he's going to be a very, very talented back. So for somebody who has not seen much of Philadelphia this year outside of week one when they played the Falcons, and I'm not speaking just from my perspective, but I definitely am, haven't seen a lot of them. What's going on with Carson Wentz? Like, what are what have you seen? What is the PFF tracking with him where it's like, okay, there this needs to improve. Like, what is the problem right now with him? Accuracy at the intermediate level has not been great. That's from that 10 to 19 yards. He's missing throws that he made last year. He's not having those big time throws, those positively graded throws in that area, which kind of separates good QBs from great QBs. He also has, you know, not played as well under pressure. He's not using his legs as much as he did, extending plays, scrambling. There's things that he did last year that were great. And yes, he's doing good things, but he needs to be a lot better in, in those areas that where he was carrying the team through comebacks and through adversity and pushing this team to where that, you know, obviously we're able to go down to the Super Bowl and win. I think he needs to improve that area. And that's going to just become with experience, I think. I think this guy still has it. He just needs to find it, find it in a hurry to kind of, you know, bring the season back together. Who is the biggest surprise in this Philly roster right now? Who is outperforming your expectations before the season? That's a, let me think here. It's definitely not in that secondary. I do think Jalen Mills has struggled a ton. I think Sidney Jones has not played as well as you'd like at the linebacker position. They're obviously missing some pieces there that they didn't that they had last year. Defensive line can't say I'm surprised, but how good that defensive line is, I think as a unit, is a huge surprise for me. Fletcher Cox, you know, Derek Barnett, Brandon Graham, just the fact that they have all that talent, they're able to attack the quarterback like they are and play Michael the wrong as they do. Michael Bennett with his small shoulder pads that get smaller every year. That is a crazy <laughs> rotation. You even have Chris Long who's still sticking around in Philadelphia. That yeah. rotation alone is is unbelievable. They have so much ability to attack in different ways, keep guys fresh, keep you know, keep people, you know, on the side, you know, getting breath and, and able to kind of come out and be an elite rotation. It's it's unbelievable how impressive they've been able to build that defensive line. Who is winning this division? 
If I had to pick a team, I do think it is the Eagles. I think Carson Wentz is the most likely to rebound. I think he's the best quarterback in that division by a significant margin when he's playing as as expected, when he's meeting expectations. And I think the defense is still very good. I think if they can shore up some question marks in the secondary, Jalen Mills is one of the worst cornerbacks in giving up big plays. He's allowed 10 big plays. That's 15-plus yards passes already this season. It's the most among quarterbacks in the NFL. You can't allow big plays as a defense if you're going to win games. I think if he can either is benched and they can find a better player or he starts to improve and Carson Wentz improves as well, I think they can run away with this division even given just how bad the Cowboys have played. The Redskins don't look great. Obviously, you know, the Giants are, I think, I in the future are looking for a new QB. The Redskins blew it, man. I'm so upset with them. They had it. Like, Alex Smith, my guy, just wins regular season games. They get blown out on the road in New Orleans. I should have seen this coming. But their interior defensive line, they basically have the Alabama defensive line. They just, their defense has improved a lot since, you know, our guy Jim Hazlitt uh, moved on. No, they're not the Jim Hazlitt defense from years ago, but they're obviously not quite there. Josh Norman um, had a meltdown on Monday. Um, I, I want to just throw out this. If they had Darius Geis, and we saw this group with Adrian Peterson. I mean, I guess Peterson wouldn't be on this roster if they lost guys, even though it's kind of weird because they're completely different players. But um, Darius Geis, Thompson, Josh Dotson, because I'll never quit him. Jordan Reed. Like, this offensive line's still good-ish. I, I just... This team should be a good regular season team. They should win 10 games. When I look up and down, that's why I had them as like, you know what? The Giants are going to suck. I just feel like people have not watched Eli Manning in like the last year and a half. Like it, it It's just fine. Um, Cowboys can't quit them just because they have too much talent on defense to be really bad. And then, you know, the Eagles, you never know with these teams that uh, win the Super Bowl the next year. You never know how it's going to go. Um, but yeah, I just feel like this is the year. If they don't do it this year, when the NFC East is just so down, I think you really have to uh, reevaluate things in Washington. I think uh, if you're Doug Williams um, and Bruce Allen, you might want to go ahead and uh, make some adjustments because this is the year for them. And you trade for Alex Smith because you want to win the division and you want to be a good regular season team. Like that's the whole point of paying him and trading for him is to actually have some regular season success and get into the playoffs and all that good stuff. So I don't know. I just, I, I'm disappointed at Washington. I didn't think Washington is disappointed in themselves. I think they're, they have to be surprised by the regression that Alex Smith has shown away from Andy Reid. He's regressed back towards me. He's not the deep ball thrower that he was with Tyreek Hill and Andy Reid helping him there. He's a, he's, more the guy that everyone kind of thought he was before he had that outstanding season with Kansas City. I think their offensive line is still one of the top units in the NFL. I think even without Darius Geis, they can run the football with Christensen and, and Adrian Peterson. They do have some weapons. I don't know if that, you know, Josh Dawson, I don't want to quit on him either. I loved him coming out of TCU, but he's not showing out week in and week out. Neither is Jordan Reed and neither are any of these, of these wide receivers with the Washington Redskins. Alex Smith was in a very good position to succeed with Andy Reid, Tyreek Hill, Kareem Hunt, Travis Kelsey, and now he's in a, in a situation where the offensive line may be better if, if it's not the same, but the weapons around him are drastically different. They're not the same guys, and the offensive coordinator manning the show is no Andy Reid right now, and I think to see Alex Smith come back to the norm is maybe kind of what we expected, you know, from a media perspective or kind of what, you know, what everyone kind of was looking at. But I think Washington is surprised by how much he's not able to do without, you know, the talented guys that he did have in Kansas City. Yeah, it's uh, maybe it can improve. We'll see. I mean, there's still a lot of reasons for optimism, I think. Um, but Matt Cavanaugh, got to get together, man. Got to got to get a little bit of Sean McVay 
at some point. Got to do it. <laughs> I love how Sean McVay has become just the. I mean, I know he is the offensive mastermind, but in just two short years, he has become this guy that if you want a good offense, you need to get more like Sean McVay. And it's so true. It's crazy just how successful he's been and how quick everyone's been willing to adopt him as just the league's best at the position in terms of being a play caller. And it's it's great to see. I think he is changing the game nearly single-handedly, and I think a lot of people are going to start following line. Yeah, I mean, it's just, I, I think about him with every team. It's like, oh, this is a roster that Sean McVay would do. And guess what? He did a couple years ago. But, like, if he had Dotson and Crowder and Richardson and a good offensive line, like, they have the best offensive line in Los Angeles, which is a big reason as to why Jared Goff has been so good and Gurley is and everything else. But, like, Chris Thompson out of the backfield and then a healthy Darius guy. It's like, I don't know, man. Like, I just feel like this is an offense that should be performing significantly better than it is. So you got to do something. Um, Jay Gruden, you're supposed to be an offensive mind. Uh, maybe it's time to do that in like year 13 of being the Washington football coach. Um, where do you think is the best fit for Le'Veon though? If you had to pick outside of Pittsburgh where, you know what? I still think it's the right fit and I would keep them if I was Pittsburgh because James Conner, he shredded Atlanta this past Sunday but if you look at the full year he has been pretty average like the games before he didn't do a lot it's just Atlanta is really bad away from home and they took advantage of that and um, he had a good week against Cleveland I think to open up and they're still they were still figuring things out and they're more of a pass defense team with Denzel Ward and everybody in the secondary but you know I just I, I don't know where the right answer is I think I would keep him if I was Pittsburgh still even with all the locker room um dynamics at play but if you had to say the best fit for a levy on track you can throw out like whether or not it's realistic anything like that where is the best system for levy on bell to find himself in outside of pittsburgh i am saying and i've been saying this for a little while now it's the tampa bay buccaneers the tampa bay buccaneers need a running back they obviously have it blown a pick on Ronald Jones so they he can't even yeah. make the active roster at this point Peyton Barber wow. is one of the worst Worst running backs in the league right now in terms of creating yards himself. He's one of the worst enforcement tackles per touch. One of the worst in yards after contact per attempt. They need someone to bring you know bring this offense back to life. And I don't think it's going to be Fitz Magic. I think he's going to be on the sidelines for the remainder of the season. They're going to try and see if Jameis is the future. But you bring a guy in like Le'Veon Bell, the offense gets a lot easier for Jameis Winston. He's able to run play action, dump off the bell, and allow him to do what he can do. And I think Pittsburgh simply can't afford you know, to keep him and have this locker room dilemma. And when James Conner is playing so well as he is, yes, it's been kind of up and down in terms of a total yard standpoint. This guy leads the NFL in total forces tackles with 32. He leads the NFL in forces tackles on receptions, which was Bell's strong suit. Conner is showing that he can do it as well. This is a guy that is playing lights out right now, very, very, very strong in terms of, yes, he can create contact. He can create yards after contact. He can force his tackles. It's still a small sample size. I'm not willing to throw all the chips I've got at him, but I'm willing to throw enough chips at him to move on from Le'Veon Bell. I think that's the right decision right now. It doesn't make sense given the locker room situation. It doesn't make sense given how much you'd have to pay him to extend him to stay in Pittsburgh. And it makes even more sense given there are some teams out there, maybe even the Raiders, that still value the running back position significantly for Tampa Bay, that still value the running back position significantly to trade a second round or even a first round pick for this guy. Are we sure the Raiders would not be better with Le'Veon under center and then him handing the ball off to Marshawn Lynch? <laughs> they could be better with Le'Veon Bell under center. That is, that is a hot take. I think they could go right back to the Wildcat, finish this season, maybe go 7-9, 8-8, and, eight and, eight, and then kind of reevaluate Will Greer and Justin Herbert next year. 
Yeah, I think that's what we should do. Unfortunately for the Bucks, um, I've already penciled them in for a Devontae Freeman trade. They can get him. They love former Falcons. This administration loves them some former Falcons. They got to quiz a couple years ago. It's time to trade for Devontae Freeman. I'm out. I'm out on Devontae Freeman. That's possibly. I, I could see it happening just because they do value Kevin Coleman. I think there's it's easy to move on from him. He has an injury prone. He's even injury, injured right now. And I think that's yeah. where the only concern would be with Tampa Bay maybe not pulling the trigger that's on a trade like Tampa that. Bay. They love injured running backs. Doug that's Martin, true. That's true. I, I guess it. if they do want to <laughs> stick to what they know, bringing a guy right. that they're not sure if he's even going to play, but high Perfect. upside. Yeah. He can. <laughs> Yeah, I think it works out perfectly. Tevin Coleman is like the master of the two-yard to carry. Like, that guy falls down easier than any other running back in the NFL. I swear oh, he yeah. Have flight to frame, like, and, and that's something you uh, saw since when he was coming out of college. He's a high-cut yeah. back that needs a lot of room to get going. And, yes, he catches, you know, catches the ball well on the backfield. He can do good things in the open field. But in a cluster, in between the tackles, he's not a guy you can lean on for you know, 20, 25 touches a game. Well, can Steve Sarkeesian, if you're listening, can you not do that anymore? Because they did that at least seven times. I don't have my notepad in front of me from the game, but I swear whenever I saw him by himself in the backfield and I realized it wasn't Ito and Devontae Freeman left the game and everything, I'm like, oh my God, he's doing another halfback dive up the middle. It's going to be a two-yard gain. He's going to fall down his first sign of contact. It's, I mean, that was the most delightful thing about having Devontae Freeman back is he's a wrecking ball and he was breaking tackles and he's hard to bring down. Like That's his best thing is he is a very tough guy to bring down and he bounces off dudes and Mm -hmm. you know tevin coleman the exact opposite i'm so out like the people who like want to pencil him in it's like the next michael turner where it's like oh this undervalued backup running back who can somebody should trade for him and he'd break out on another team it's like no 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 no. you need to watch tevin coleman play football this dude is (laughs) not very good it's you do he would drive you insane comparing him to michael turner is pretty much an insult they are completely opposite backs that have Opposite abilities. I think Kevin Coleman is a great compliment, but only when you use him in the right ways. Don't you know you can't really pound him up, up the middle. You can't really lean on him. You can't really lean on him to run through a cluster, run in between the tackles. He's a guy. He's a scat back. He's a guy like Darren Sproles, a guy that you want to get out in space and do some gadget plays with. But he's not a guy you want to build your offense around like you could with Michael Turner. I, I think that comparison is definitely off by a significant margin. But I think Sark should definitely dial up some more uh, end arounds to uh, uh, Calvin Ridley. Those have been great. Love those two-yard gains with uh, Calvin Ridley running in motion. And, then and the fumble. The quick Don't forget the fumble. Yeah, also fumble oh on one of those. God. <laughs> he, there, like, I, I think I saw like seven. that can really even pull off an end around. I think the, probably if you looked at it dating, you know, you look at it in the last 10 years, the average yards play on end arounds cannot be that great. I have never seen no. an end around, end around go consistently for even six, eight-yard gains. It's usually a busted play that just looks terrible and everyone's scratching their head while you call it's like the goal line fade um, outside of the red zone. Like that's the midfield goal line fade. I think. <laughs> I, I have to agree. It never works, but they feel the need to do it over and over again. It's the dumbest thing. But um, you know, it's great when you do that with somebody like Calvin Ridley, who's only like catching. I think something like seventy-five percent of his receptions have led to have been either a first down or a touchdown. Like that's insane at this point in his career. He's a rookie. Like just go downfield. The dude can do stuff. I don't. We don't need him in this capacity. What are you doing? Even have like Marvin Hall or somebody like that put in someone else. But I just some of the stuff. Sark has improved, so I will give him that. And they're a devastating red zone team. Great, but um, still a lot of work to do. Like targeting Austin Hooper like thirteen times uh, in Pittsburgh, which you know when Julio gets zero targets in the first half and Austin Hooper has like nine. I mean, what could go wrong? Um, yeah, I I, I could keep branding about Sark and the improvements, but uh, you know. 
He's no Kyle Shanahan. I'll say that. I'm sticking to my guns. This offense has improved from a year ago, but uh, still a lot of work to be done. Yeah, when you hang 17 points against Pittsburgh, bad Pittsburgh defense, you have to look at game plan. You have because they have just so many weapons. Matt Ryan is a good quarterback. Leo Jones is obviously you know, unguardable at times. You have Calvin Ridley, even Austin Hooper. Maybe he's not a 13 target guy, but he has a lot of success when he's playing his roles that five to six target tar- tight end and getting open through the game plan. I think you have to be able to attack a Pittsburgh Steelers defense that has been getting burnt all season. It was very interesting to see the Falcons kind of fall flat. So Andrew Luck, a guy that I don't want to quit. I like Andrew Luck. I think the NFL is better when the Colts are good. Um, but Andrew Luck, there's this great article on PFF that everybody should check out that came out this week. Um, it kind of identifies like who Andrew Luck was, what he can be. Like, how would you explain this article that people should check out on Andrew Luck and uh, what's to come um, at this point in his career? Yes, this is a great article from one of our guys, David Newman, who we just asked him, what is Andrew Luck? What can he be? And like, you kind of, I'm glad you took that from the article. What is Andrew Luck? What can he be? And what does he need to do to get back to that, you know, get back to that form, get back to that form that everyone thought he could be and what he was for a limited time before the injury started to settle in. It's kind of just looking at Andrew Luck and stop, you know, trying to, trying to just answer some question marks because there's just so many question marks. Is he healthy? Can he throw the deep ball? Is he still the same guy? Can he read the defense as well? Has the game passed him up? Answering those questions because they're just, you know, everyone has those questions on their head. That's what the article is about and what we kind of wanted to bring to the table and look at his accuracy data. How's he performing under pressure? How's he performing against the blitz? Is he moving from his first read to his second read? And looking at that kind of stuff with a magnifying glass is just so important rather than saying, Andrew Luck can be Andrew Luck. It's okay. Once he gets the deep ball back, that's not just it. He needs to learn a lot more and really get back into the game and get back to the swing of things, knock some rust off to be the signal, signal caller. Maybe not, not what he was, but what he was supposed to be coming out of Stanford. So what is the prognosis? Do you think this is something that can lead to him getting back to top five status, or do you think best case scenario, it's like maybe top 15? I, I think top five is a stretch. You, know, you have to show significant improvements in his play for him to be a top five quarterback again. He'd have to stay healthy for an extended period of time, which you cannot guarantee at this point. You don't even know if he's going to make it through this next game with that shoulder and the other injuries, that, you know, other ailments that have really hurt him. I think if he stays healthy and improves significantly, he can get back there, but it's going to take some time. I think in the immediate future, the next year, this season, and the, you know maybe the two seasons beyond that, a top 10 Andrew Luck would be very good for this Colts team, and I think that's what they can bank on. If he can stay healthy and improve beyond that, that's when you're going to start to see the Andrew Luck that everyone wanted. Yeah, and I think part of it, too, that makes it so weird with him is that I, because I kind of advocated before the season that I still, even if he was ready and he was cleared and throwing normal size footballs, a story that I very much miss of Andrew Luck throwing a certain size football watch was a fun time of year. I, I very much enjoyed. Oh, that football is actually not regular sized. He's actually throwing a smaller football. He's not even up to that yet. Um, I was on a flight team- from Indianapolis to Cincinnati with a a Colts practice squad player that I recognize and he has to be on background, uh-huh. but he was telling me at the time, I think it was right when I think minicamp was ending, but he was, you know, I was like, Hey, what's Andrew Luck going on? What's going on? Andrew Luck? Is he throwing? Is he you know, doing call the plays? What's going on? He's like, he's throwing a lacrosse ball 10 to 15 <laughs> times a day, 10 to 15 <laughs> times. He was allowed to throw a lacrosse ball, limited reps on throwing a lacrosse ball. That's how bad it was. And that, and that's just unbelievable. And you also saw with Sports Illustrated, or I think, yeah, I think it was Sports Illustrated, I think Albert Breer you know, ended up, you know, talking to him and he ended up saying that there were, there were moments in his recovery that he thought about he would never play football again and he wanted to quit. 
that's how bad it was to see him even throwing the football at this moment at this point in time and being one of the maybe a top 20 single caller right now is unbelievable. And I think you have to be you know excited about the story and hope that he progresses in the way he could be. But at the same time, you have to look at that hill, that mountain that it is in front of him to be that guy that he once was because he's just got so much to overcome. You know what this all sounds like to me? And it scares me because I hope this is not the case. Derek Rose. Wow, that's a great comparison. Cross-sport comparison, and I'm in love with it. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, Derek Rose was that one guy for a couple of years, and injuries hit. He always thought he could come back. I mean, there's two, the storylines are mending, just melding together. That's, that's, that's definitely a good, 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 uh, good comparison. Oh, man. I hope that's not the case. Because I hope it's Andrew not, too, because the so ending of Derek fun. Rose's story isn't great. <laughs> no. No, and he's trying. It's just sad, and I hope we don't get that with Andrew Luck where it's like, because I wonder with him, because he was so good right away, and he's always been so good that I wonder from a headspace standpoint where it's like, do you think he is going to have fun and want to keep playing if he can never get back to an elite level? Do you think he's okay being who he is and being who he was just being a top 15, like maybe being the 14th best quarterback in the NFL in the next two years. Like, do you think that's something that he can handle where it's like, Oh God, I have a wall now. Like I have a physical wall that I can't get past anymore because of my injuries that I just can't be that guy. And then if you're the Colts, a team that's still just without all kinds of talent, like when you're seeing stuff like Malik Hooker's still good for them. I mean, great, good safety work from uh, the Colts right now. Quentin Nelson, he could be something couple years i mean ty hilton's getting up there in age but jordan wilkins nice surprise there and you go up and down you're like oh my god like the 49ers have a pretty barren roster and they've been screwed with losing their receiver running back quarterback all that kind of stuff but like the colts still have a long way to go chris ballard still has a lot of work to do and it's like by the time he like fills up this roster with a bunch of high quality nfl players like is andrew luck like a 23rd best quarterback in the nfl like is he like has he fallen apart so much or is he just, I, I, there's just so many variables that I think we're not thinking about with him where it's like, sometimes guys just don't get back because injuries are a real thing. And maybe he doesn't want to play if he can't be an elite guy. Maybe he will never be able to see himself as not an elite quarterback. And I don't know. I just think all of it's very fascinating from athletes who are at the top of the world and injuries kind of derailed all that. And they're still super young trying to fight that back because you know what, when you're young, you just think that eventually your body will get back, but sometimes it just doesn't. So I, I have no idea, but I think it's all pretty fascinating. Absolutely. And I think you, you kind of hit the nail on the head in terms of this roster still needing a lot of work and his best, you know, skill position, his best target is T.Y. Hilton. He's getting up there in age and not getting better if every year he's going to start to regress. I think this is Andrew Luck's a guy that could really benefit from a change of scenery. Obviously, you don't see that happening in the near future. But if he was in a situation where the roster was a little bit better and he had a little bit more help, and you know, yes, you know, you know, Braden Smith has played well above expectation. Quint Nelson has had flashes, but that offensive line still isn't great. The defense isn't doing a lot for him, and he's going to need some time to really get back into the swing of things. It's just not a roster that's helping him out a ton right now. It's a weird situation that you know, only happened for an even weirder occurrence in terms of the injury and how long he was out and, and, and you know, how severe it was. I think it's just a really bad spot for the Colts and Locke, and they can only hope that each game he gets a little bit better and he continues to prove he can be healthy. I mean, they can only really look at week to week. Oh, my God. I know where he should go, and I know what's going to happen. <laughs> Miami. Ryan Tannehill imploding, just throwing interceptions off multiple guys. Very unlucky. You know who's ready to win now every year? Mike Tannenbaum. That's who's ready to win now. Miami, 
They are starving for above-average quarterback play, even with who Andrew Luck is right now. Would he be the best Miami quarterback of the last 25 years? I'd have to say yes. I think even Andrew Luck now would be a better quarterback than what Ryan Tannehill has been and everyone kind of before him in the last 20, you know, 20 30 years. It's been, it's been pretty bad. And I think if they brought in Andrew Luck, obviously, I think the real, you know, realistically, I don't know if that can really happen given the contract situation with Andrew Luck and how invested they are in him. But if, you know, I could, you know, make something up and put him in Miami, I think he would have a lot of success there, more success than he would have in Indianapolis. There's a little bit more there for him to kind of deal with. They got, you know, good tackle play there. They, Running game, a bunch of speedy receivers. Exactly. I think Andrew Luck would have a lot more success in Miami compared to Indianapolis. Unfortunately, I don't see that situation happening. No. I don't know. Dan Marino, maybe he'll make the call. He'll uh, get in Tannenbaum and Chris Greer's ear and be like, you know what? It's time. Let's pull the trigger. Let's do this. That would Even be though, a bold play. You no, know, I am still bullish on Tannehill. Like, he's had some bad luck these last two weeks, and he's played poorly, but I don't know. I don't think he's this bad. I don't think he's as good as he was in the beginning, but I still think this Dolphins team is a playoff team this year, so I don't know. All right, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Um, But, yeah, we'll, uh, the, we'll, we'll monitor that. The last thing I wanted to touch on before we go. So the Falcons are done. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers have just an atrocious defense, and they're out. I mean, the Falcons and the Bucks are going to cancel one or the other out this, this weekend. Um, but the Panthers and the Saints, they are the cream of the crop again, um, in the NFC South and, you know, North Turner, Scott Turner, the father son connection, they went and studied some colleges. They've revamped, they've, they've adapted, they've, uh, adjusted their offensive scheme. They've, they've, uh, they've made this offense look a little bit more appealing. You know, they're actually using Christian McCaffrey in a positive manner this year. I mean, there's just, you know, you look up and down this group and you're like, okay, they're getting good offensive line play, which I don't think any of us saw coming, especially at the right tackle spot. Um, there's just some, there's a lot to like about this Panthers team. And then you look over and you're like, the Saints are getting Mark Ingram back this week. Drew Brees just broke the passing yards record. Michael Thomas literally cannot be stopped. Uh, he ruined Josh Norman's life on Monday. Uh, maybe even his career by <laughs> what he did to him. Alvin Kamara is just I, I he's just a freak of nature. They still have Taron Armstead. They still have a pretty decent pass rush. They are getting nothing from Marcus Lattimore, who was the um rookie of the defensive rookie of the year last year, and we'll see if that improves. And you know, the secondary I would bet on getting better. And I I can't get a read on it, man. I don't know who is the favorite between the Saints. I mean, I had the Saints winning division uh before the season, but you know, Panthers are right there. I, I, I don't know where to lead. Where are you leaning right now? I'm definitely leaning towards Drew Brees and the New Orleans Saints, but not by much. I think both teams are top five teams in the NFL right now, slotting you know, Drew Brees and the Saints maybe at three or four, and Carolina right there at five. I think both those teams are very good. I think it can go either way at this point. If you had to lean one way, you have to lean towards Drew Brees and the Saints right now just because how many weapons they have on the opposite side of the ball. I don't think there's a defense in football that can really go toe-to-toe with him. I'm so surprised that the Browns were able really to do it a few weeks back. I think this team is going to continue to play at high, you know at a high level. Now Mark Ingram's back. He had 16 carries and looked very very good in that game against the Washington Redskins. This offense is scary and the defense is getting better. If Marshawn Lattimore starts to play a little bit, you know, starts to play like what he used to and as the defensive rookie of the year, and he can get you know strong pass rush from you know Marcus Davenport, who they spent a lot of you know two first round picks on practically to get going. Sheldon Rankins can start to play a little bit better. AJ Klein, that linebacking core is interesting. Alex Anzalone, I liked him coming out of Florida, but he's always anti man. 
Vantage Hell's been benched, though. I mean, they're, they're yeah. opting for Demario Davis, AJ Klein, and Alex Anthony as their three line, off-ball linebackers, and have pushed. And Vance Tayo that had a resurgence in the Bayou down to the right. bench, and it's very surprising. I think if there's a team in the NFL right now that thinks they need help in, at inside linebacker, I need you need to pick up the phone and call for Manti Teo. This guy is getting you know nothing he deserves right now. I think he should be playing over AJ Klein, even Angelo. And I think I mean, Demario Davis has earned his spot. It's very surprising to see them push him to the curve after how much success he had last year. I think a team could really use him at the starting spot. But again, back to your question, I think. Drew Brees and the Saints are the team to be in that division, but both teams go in the playoffs, and I think both teams are going deep. Okay, because the NFC is tight, man. Like, I just that's why I'm not overreacting to the Eagles because if they played in the AFC, I mean, would they not be the favorites right now? Like, I just look at like the disparity between the two conferences, and you know, I mean, I, obviously that's not a slight the Chiefs, but I think if we were to put that game on a neutral side, I think I would still favor the uh the the eagles but you know that's just me um i just when you look at the packers their defense a lot improved they look like they uh made the right decision in drafting two cornerbacks back to back in josh jackson and jair alexander um aaron Rodgers still getting the hang of things with this receiving core and everything else um devin bakhtiari still very good at his job at left tackle uh <laughs> i don't think that's changing anytime soon the vikings kirk cousins is playing out of his mind and adam thielen is just uh, Superman, just look at uh, PFF Sam Monson's uh, video of Adam Thielen's route running and just diving catches uh, this past week. It's just, it's absurd. But uh, the Panthers and the Saints are right there too. And you kind of think about it and you're like, wait a second, but the Bears are uh, even trending up. And you look at the rest of this, this conference and, you know, I, I can't figure out who the favorite is, but like, I thought the Saints should have gone to Super Bowl last year. And they ended up not going, and I, obviously because of that awful loss to Minnesota. And I like, I think they Drew Brees would have beaten Philadelphia on the road. Like, I don't think the Eagles could have scored enough. Um, but you know, I, I it's hard to do it again. And uh, I don't know. The Panthers they played the Saints really well in the playoffs last year, and it's hard to bet against Cam in this group. And the Panthers defense, I think I trust more than the Saints defense. I don't know. I, I've gone back and forth. Like, do you think this Panthers defense is enough? to maybe give them the edge down the stretch? Or do you think it's not strong enough to really sway you enough to push them ahead of the Saints? When a race is this tiny, it's hard to not look at injuries and health and the ability to stay healthy. You know, when you start to think about, you know, down the stretch and who, which team's going to really take, you know, take that final win that pushes them into the bye week, it's going to become down to health. And I think Carolina on defense, is definitely a deeper team. I think they have a lot more depth there. I think they, you know, Kawan Short is playing out of his world. Luke Keekley is going to start work for them. James Bradbury is surprising a lot of people. I think that defense is better than a lot of people think. And New Orleans, on the other hand, there's there's some holes that if the you know, injury goes down, Marshall Lattimore just got hurt this past week, and if he's out for an extended period of time, PJ Williams is not going to be able to step up there. Crawley is not a good cornerback. Bundell, good in run defense, not great in coverage. I think. That Saints defense has significantly less depth and significantly less promise if injuries start to strike. And if they can stay healthy and Carolina can't, I think that's when the, you know, the scales get tipped. I think if both teams are healthy going down the stretch, which is probably unlikely given how many games are left, I'd still you know give maybe the Carolina the defense is not, but both those teams are very good. And I think Drew Brees, you know, you, t- you pick the better quarterback to win those games. I think Drew Brees is the better quarterback. On a neutral site, Drew Brees in the dome, Drew Brees hand down, hands down in Carolina. That's when it gets a little bit tougher, but still, Drew Brees is just playing out of this world. He's a record breaker. He's an all-time passing leader, and I think he wants one more, and I think he can get it this year. I think I've decided that Manti Teo should have to play the rest of the year um, for Duke Riley in Atlanta. 
I think that's what we have to do. <laughs> it's not even a bad idea. I think you could get Manti Teo very cheap right now. Low pick, fifth, sixth. I mean, fifth might even be high. Sixth or seventh just to get him off the roster and put him in a starting role. It makes too much sense. I think there's no reason this guy shouldn't be seeing starting reps. He's playing like only special teams right now behind guys that are not proven. Alex Anzalone is not proven. AJ Klein has struggled in coverage. Mario Davis is old. It's hard to really say that Manthe Teo shouldn't be starting there. He should be starting somewhere else, especially when you have other teams that are struggling a lot more at linebacker. Or John Bostic, who is, I think, the Duke Riley of Pittsburgh. I actually wrote that down. I'm like, oh, this guy sucks in the middle of linebacker. Uh, he's definitely not Ryan Shazier. And, not uh, at all. Not I, I don't all. know. I felt that, like he that, was... That, that gap is, is insane. Ryan Shazier, losing right. Ryan Shazier on that defense is... I don't think it's underrated. I think a lot of people knew he was good, and it's obviously a big blow to the defense, but it cannot be understated how much of a loss that is to lose a guy like Ryan Shazier. Yeah, I think it's a bigger loss than Le'Veon Bell. I really do. Oh, absolutely. I agree with that 100%. All right. Austin Gale, I appreciate it as always, sir. We can find you on Twitter at PFF underscore Austin Gale. We can read you at profootballfocus.com that I read every single day and you can read awesome stuff like uh that andrew luck article and all kinds of great uh content where you learn about buffalo bills inside linebackers actually playing pretty well or outside excuse me matt milano who's a real person <laughs> that is i do uh, like matt milano <laughs> yeah <laughs> fifth round pick from a couple years ago he's he's turned into a pretty solid starter in buffalo but that's the kind of great stuff that you can get at pff so go do that um and austin what is the story that we need to look out for this week coming out from you yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head kind of talking about Andrew Luck. I think I really want to see where he's going to go. You obviously have a big game coming with the you know, Kansas City Chiefs and New England Patriots. Who can win that game? Those are big storylines. That's going to really set the tone for the rest of this AFC playoff race. There's some big storylines in the AFC because the NFC is it's hard to really kill right now. But I think looking at the AFC, looking at Andrew Luck, Ken Patrick Holmes, beat Tom Brady, it's, it's going to be a good week of football. All right, Austin Gale, we will talk next week and enjoy enjoy the week of football and hopefully we get some some more great stuff and uh things like, you know, maybe Duke Riley not getting stiff armed embarrassingly <laughs> or getting a thirty eight yard pass interference call that leads to a Steelers touch. Anyway, um that's enough for me and Austin, we will uh talk next week, sir. Sounds great, thank you. All right, we're back on the Jason's podcast, and we are joined now, as we always are, in the second half of this Wednesday night pod by my guy, Soli, of Move the Sticks, the NFL media sports podcast with Bucky Brooks and Daniel Jeremiah that I listened to this afternoon, um, the Monday episode of the 10 Takeaways. Haven't gotten to the other right. stuff this week yet, but um, there's a lot of podcasts, man. I have a lot. Yeah, uh, it, 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 there's a lot of podcasts out there, but uh, certainly listen to A, uh, Move the Sticks, and B, the Chase Thomas podcast. Uh, you got you to download the, those, subscribe. Um, but yeah, thanks for listening, and um, let's let's talk some college ball, man. I'm excited. Uh, I know you're probably not as excited to talk about this weekend as I am, but I'm looking up for it. I No, I'm not excited. See, the reason you're more excited for this Tennessee-Auburn game than I am is because Tennessee has no expectations. Tennessee, this is year one of Jeremy Pruitt. Nothing matters. Like, we all knew Tennessee was going to be bad this year. I mean, they've been a mm-hmm. little bit worse than I think we've expected in some areas, especially on offense. But, like, you know, right. Auburn's the the underachiever. Like, if Tennessee keeps this close and it's a game in the fourth quarter, it's a huge win for Tennessee. If they beat them, just a, 
milestone win that uh, Tennessee fans are going to cherish for the next year because they're like, you know what? We're moving in the right direction no matter what. I mean, Auburn's not the Auburn that we thought they were, but this is still the team that beat Washington opening weekend, and we just beat Mm -hmm. them this Saturday. Like, it's something that you could – it's bulletin board material. And uh, Right. Yeah, I – so congrats to you, man. You get to <laughs> you get to go into this game like just knowing you're going to be in it because uh, Jarrett Stidham's going to throw. He's going to complete fifty two percent of his passes. The offensive line's going to be awful. Mm-hmm. They're going to try and run mm-hmm. Cam Martin with his three yards to carry. Jatavius uh, Whitlow might fumble into the end zone again. Who knows? All right. kinds of great possibilities for Tennessee here. Right, and and suppose you the right right tackles out too. You just keep checking boxes. Um, I think Tennessee fans are quietly optimistic going into this matchup, but that's not saying much considering that the everybody on Rocky Top was really optimistic going into the West Virginia game. Look what happened, Florida game. Look what happened. So obviously gotten beaten down this season so far. But having two weeks to prepare and and Pruitt having played. Uh, these Auburn Tigers, depending on obviously the various spots he's been to, but he's played in five straight seasons. He's very similar um, or, or very, very familiar, I should say, with with these Auburn Tigers. So two weeks to prepare with with uh, with a lot of a lot of the question marks that you obviously just brought up with the offensive line and Jarrett Stidham not not really throwing the ball well so far this year, especially when you get him off the spot like Mississippi State did. It could be a close game going into the fourth quarter, and 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 I I would I would feel pretty good uh, if I'm a Tennessee fan if that happens, uh, about your chances of pulling off a victory because Auburn, obviously, uh, not feeling too good about uh, about this win, and, and Tennessee hasn't had a whole lot of chances to to get an SEC win over the past few years, so they're gonna be chomping at the bit. This this team's been talking about how we're not quitters. How, how we're we're definitely going to try to uh, to to go four quarters with against this Auburn Tiger team, and I, I think it's honestly going to happen. <sighs> They're eighteen and a half point <laughs> dogs, and you know when I first saw that that number for this, game, it opened up like, at I think twenty twenty one. Oh, it is it already up? up? It's that. moved up. I, no, 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 no. It op- I think it originally opened. I think the Vegas set it at twenty twenty one points, twenty and a oh half points God. around there. It's it's gone down. It's gone down. So. Yeah. Go ahead and uh, take uh, Tennessee there. Not to win. I don't think Auburn's losing this game because if Auburn loses this game, like someone's getting fired for sure. Like yep. if you lose to Mississippi State yeah, and Tennessee back to back, like I think they have a six game winning streak against Tennessee right now. Um, mm-hmm. This is this would be an unacceptable loss because then you're looking at the rest of the schedule for Auburn where it's like Alabama and Georgia both on the road and just thinking about Yikes. who they, they I mean, there's still Texas A&M looming who ended mm-hmm. Kentucky's perfect season. Like, that there's a lot of reason for concern for this Auburn season if they blow this too. So um, I still think Auburn is going to win. However, I want to point out, I'm not fully recovered from Saturday. I'm not fully recovered from Nick Fitzgerald I wouldn't be uh, getting awarded a touchdown that he did not get in this game to end the first half. But mm-hmm. you know what? Auburn doesn't deserve luck. They don't. With the way they're playing, they don't deserve to have the right calls go their way. They don't right now because Jared Stidham, I kid you not, I almost fell over in just sheer agony after that trick play where Jared Stidham reared back wide open. Perfect, perfect Mm -hmm. play call. Just overshot him. Just and the worst thing is, like you read in the athletic this week, and um everybody should subscribe to the athletic if they aren't already, but Mm There's a little nugget in there with Jarrett Sidham where it's like he mentions he's like I've made that uh, throw countless times in practice. I'm like, that's great, man. 
but you didn't do it in the game. I'm glad that you <laughs> yeah. made that throw in practice. Great. Really good stuff. That's what most people do, right? Most good quarterbacks make all the throws in practice when no one's pressuring them and all that kind of stuff. I would hope you did, but you didn't do it at that moment, and it was just it was demoralizing. And the fumble into the end zone, which I, I don't think was a fumble into the end zone, but this is also why Bill Belichick like preaches like you're not allowed to reach for the end zone ever. Like he's one of the early adopters mm-hmm. of like don't do it because. You know, just take the ball at the one. Just it's it's okay if you don't get in. But like reaching over the goal line can I'm still having nightmares like about the Florida fumble out of the back of the end zone right. this year. So I I, I understand that set of it. But then you see like Arizona fumble forward on an interception return and they pick it up and just run into the end zone like it's nothing. Or or you see the, so to bring it back to how you're 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 bringing up that Auburn doesn't deserve any luck. Well, Tennessee is going to give you something. Go back to that Georgia game where where, where Tennessee is finally getting pressure on the quarterback and has a strip sack, and then Nauta, the 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 stud tight end for uh, for Georgia, picks it up and runs it into the end zone. That's one of the most unlucky plays I've ever seen. And coming from a Tennessee fan, that's saying something. So no, you're gonna you're gonna get some breaks uh, against against the balls. I, I wouldn't worry about that. This game is gonna have so much derpiness where a lot of dirt. Yeah, it's it's just I'm already prepared for it. Where like expectations are out the window now. Like I can just enjoy the rest of the season. Like oh, best case scenario, eight and four. Who cares? Like they're not playing for anything now. I I mean, beating mm-hmm. Georgia and Alabama that'd be cool in one of their season. That'd be nice. But like they're not playing for anything. I don't want to hear anymore. you beat them. You beat them last year, so I don't even need to hear that. So <laughs> <laughs> if if Tennessee drops this one, it, it go this the SEC streak goes to twelve. Mm. Uh, they're not going to beat Alabama next week, obviously. So that's thirteen. South Carolina, not very good. That's either I think that's thirteen. Winnable. That's winnable. Mizzou, fourteen. That's winnable. I think that's that's winnable too. And then Kentucky's going to beat not Tennessee. winnable though. And then Vanderbilt at the end of the year. I feel like Tennessee's that's winnable too. One. Okay. Yeah. 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 Vandy. Vandy. Yeah. They're they're, they're <laughs> yeah they're, they're not they're not very good. So definitely could be a win at the end of the season. Uh, I was speaking of, speaking of derpy games though. Mm. I was actually in Jordan Hare for the 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 worst derps of of all, and that was the 2008, if I'm not mistaken, to Jonathan Crompton, uh, just a complete abomination of a football game. One of the worst games I've ever seen, and people Auburn fans I've heard argue that it was worse than the famous three two Mississippi State game because both teams pretty much had the ball in in. All they needed was a first first down, second down, couple, string together a couple first downs and kick a field goal and you're going to win the game. Tennessee did, and they couldn't do it. it. I think there was 12 yards total from both offenses in that second half. And I could see a pretty similar game happening this weekend, it, it, and it wouldn't shock me at all if it was a similar scoreline either. I don't know what the under is, but I know we were talking, talking Tennessee, uh, taking Tennessee with, with, I don't know, what, what was that, 18 and a half is where yeah. it settled? I'd probably take the under too if it's if if I'm a gambling man at forty five forty six if it, if it's around there I'm 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 definitely hitting that as well I I don't see either one of these offenses doing doing so hot. I don't want to watch this game, Sully. <laughs> can we not? <laughs> yeah, can we not? They yeah, don't deserve I, we're, we're three both... hours from me. I know, I know. The ne- neither neither one of us uh, should watch it. I, I, I'm thinking maybe just hit to the beach. <laughs> the well, I don't have that luxury. Not all of us live in LA, Sully. 
that's a good point. You bring up a really good point. But yeah, honestly, that, that's one advantage I do have. I should I should point out, not a beach guy. I don't need the beach. Oh, hmm. Okay, that's interesting. That's that's a semi fiery take. I don't, I don't know. Uh, not not what what is it for you? The sand, the sun. It's everything, man. More of a lake. More of a more of a lake guy. Ooh, love a good cabin. Love a good lake, oh, mountain, kind good, of scenery. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I I love obviously East Tennessee, so I'll have a good cabin weekend. I could I could I could I could be with you there. Okay. Yeah. See, yeah, if we you can want do, to do anything. Like I don't know. I feel like that's just it's a better. Uh, it's just more fun. I I don't understand. Like the sand. Not a big fan of the sand. Not a big fan of just like roasting in the sun. Like I'm a fair skinned person, so obviously that doesn't really mm-hmm. work for me. Um salt water i also don't know what you do in the beach i mean in the water as an adult like what do you what is the purpose of getting in the ocean as an adult boogie board man come on boogie board i've been on a boogie board for 15 years (laughs) (laughs) kenny powers up in here man come on gotta get this nice nice uh leopard print boogie board the only way you're getting me on the beach is if you have a football that's it yeah toss the picks in around yeah that's okay cold ones that's fine Mm -hmm. we can do that yeah, that's normally what you do. Listen to some uh, tunes. Yeah, I'm not even a pool guy. Haven't been in a pool in like a decade. Yeah, there. I'm. A, I'm. I'm against. I'm against you there. I, 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 I love me a good pool. I got a couple. Of, lucky to have a couple in my apartment complex and take full advantage. So, see, yeah, you know what's funny yeah, is if like I love showers. Like they might be one of my favorite things. And I was listening to Jalen Rose talk about his steam shower mm-hmm. or whatever he's got going on, and that's, that's, he lets that it sounds sit. pretty impressive. For 20 minutes, he just has the water running for 20 minutes to like really get things steamy. And then he gets, he th- it's like a whole hour process. And that is like my dream. I think I just want to make enough money where I can good get a place steam to, shower. Good place to think. Oh my God. Good it's place the best. To think. Yeah. Love it. Right. So I guess I like hot tubs. Yeah, that, I guess that's what I'm getting at. Maybe that's what it is. That's fine. Pools, that's, not in. That's why you like cabin weekends because most cabins. There you go. Probably going to have a hot tub. It's all coming together, Sully. You're figuring this there stuff out with me. We're, we're solving right. all kinds right. of psychological Solving stuff. world's problems <laughs> or just my <laughs> problems um <laughs> so i want to touch on something a team that has not been talked about since week one i don't think and mm-hmm. i think it's kind of odd because michigan's defense is really good really good secondary jim harbaugh is on pace for another 10 and 2 11 and 1 season they are the team mm-hmm. that has the best shot of taking down ohio state i don't think they will but they're going to be in prime position again to control their own destiny. Like they are still one of the few teams on the outside looking in that has a realistic shot and really can control whether or not they're in the playoff. Like teams like Washington, um, just there are certain teams that just can't control their destiny, even with like Penn state teams like that. Um, Oklahoma, there are just a lot of teams on the outside looking in that are going to need a lot of stuff to go their way that they can't control. Michigan, if right. they run the table and they beat Ohio State, they're in because I don't think they're losing. Beat Penn the Big State, yeah, they're beat, in. Beat Wisconsin probably twice, and that's that's doable. Yeah. It's doable. It's it's doable. It's it's a it's it's a very very tall task. But if you have a defense like theirs, you're gonna you're gonna stay in most games. Uh, bring back to week one. Obviously, that looks like a heck of a lot better loss than what a lot of people yeah. thought. And and that that I, Patterson is the click a little bit. I'm not buying all the way back in. I was a hundred percent sipping the Patterson Kool Aid coming in the season. I'm I am uh, I'm gonna just be at full disclosure there. I was all in on Michigan, all in on Patterson. Had had the wind completely taken out of my sails after that Notre Dame loss, and 
and sold him. I was done. It doesn't look I was, bad because Notre done. Dame has one of the ten best defenses in college football right now. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And and Patterson's starting to click. He is. I think he was over seventy percent last week, and one of the only quarterbacks up there with Tua and and a few others that that have have completed gone through a full game and completed over 70 percent that's a good sign especially going up against uh, a wisconsin defense this weekend that is that is banged up and he could take advantage of it i think they're going to put that the ball in the hands of, of of big shea patterson and we'll see we'll see if he can keep this thing rolling for michigan and that's going to be a good sign going into the rest of this rest of the schedule because you got michigan state who's not looking that well that, at, at the moment currently coming off of a pretty pretty bad loss not bad loss but Pretty big loss to Northwestern. I think it's a bad loss. That big. Northwestern yeah, at home a bad. is a bad loss. Yeah, especially by double digits. Yeah, that's a bad loss. Um, Penn State, whew, on the road. I don't know if that's going to happen. Uh, Rutgers, yeah. Indiana, yeah. And then, and then, of course, the big one at home. So, that... Yeah, that would be... That would be their, they would still win the division and still make it, so... People yeah, just I need think to prepare they, they, themselves. They, like Michigan has fallen out of the national spotlight, which is actually probably good for Jim Harbaugh in this group, as Shea Patterson racks up the wins and gets more comfortable in the system and everything else. But I just I can't overlook them. I think that they're just sitting there because you know what? It's going to be close. They've played Ohio State close in the last couple of years. They know how to play this group. I think it's going to be a close game. Like they were uh, a spot away from beating them a couple of years ago. Um, but I do think the difference will be between will be basically what do they do against Dwayne Haskins in the fourth quarter? Because if it is tight, mm-hmm. like Dwayne Haskins, man, like he's on pace to shatter all of Troy Smith's records at Ohio State and just his passer rating in the fourth quarter and like his intermediate stuff where he's just like insanely accurate and just putting the ball in position where like guys can just go out and destroy people. And guess what? Ohio State has the best wide receiver group in college football, which can't be understated because like guys like Benjamin Victor are just popping out of nowhere who they gave up on and is now a good blocker and making crazy like DeAndre Hopkins like spin moves and everything else to save you save their season. KJ Hill is a, a monster. Paris Campbell, all those guys like they go up and down. It's like, oh, maybe Michigan can't handle all this. But then you go, well, you know what? Their strength this year is wait. They got that defense right. Yeah. That's, that's that's what I was about Ohio to say. Ohio State's and, defense and, is a liability right now. Like they gave up a lot of points to Peyton Ramsey this past weekend, and like their secondary is still very very shaky, and they give up a bunch of big plays. And guess who's a big play quarterback? Shea Patterson. So big Shea. I think it's gonna be. I think that it, they just match up really well with Ohio State this year, and we're just not talking about them yet. And they, if they don't do it this year, it's one of those where it's like, mm, you may have missed will it ever again. Happen, yeah. Yeah. Right. And they just got to stay healthy. Obviously, a lot of tough games going going down the stretch with with Penn State and and, and, a, and a rugged rugged Badgers team this weekend. They're banged up on the inside. That that's kind of a concern for me going up against Jonathan Taylor, and that and that just the the giant hog mollies for Wisconsin. I mean, you, you still got Chase Winovich out there wrecking shop and and being just doing doing his thing, and and, and he's going to be honestly the key to the game for for Michigan on the defensive side of the ball with a couple of guys out in that front seven, but yeah, I, 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 they do match up well. Will they beat Ohio state? It's, it's, it's almost, it's almost, you got to say no until they do it at this right. point. It's kind of like the Tennessee Florida rivalry. 
because it, it, it's, it's a mental thing. It's, it's, it's the big game and they haven't done it in, in over a decade. It's, it's crazy to think that, but yeah, I'm going to say no until, until they prove me otherwise. Just give them some respect and just keep an eye on Michigan. That's all I'm saying. Just keep an eye on them because yep. I think you're, I, I, just don't I, agree know 100%. I think that's all I would tell people. Just start watching more Michigan over the next couple of weeks. Just get a sense that this is coming because all eyes are on Tua, all eyes on Trevor Lawrence, all eyes are on Ian Book and Notre Dame. No mm-hmm. eyes are on Shea Patterson and Jim Harbaugh right now. And I just think uh, it's good for Michigan. And I think uh, I think we're going to see a gigantic Ohio State-Michigan game at the end of the year that determines which Big Ten team goes to the playoff. Um, the, big, the Big Ten needs that, too. The Big yes. Ten really does need that game to be huge. Needs to be huge. And, I should and mention that'll, that. will go a long way. Ohio State was my preseason national title pick, so I'm probably going to stick with that. All that said, I don't, you're going to stick with them. Okay. I, I just Dwayne Haskins is too good. I, I can't move away from this, and I think, you know, Alabama. It feels like their defense is not as good in years past, and then you look at the numbers and you're like, oh, they're number one in defense. How did that happen? <laughs> it feels like they're not as good, and they're gross. still number one in defense. It, it's just it's gross. It's not fair. They're- no, it's not. This dripping wet with talent from top to bottom. Every single every single position is nasty for those guys. They're they're going to be a tough tough nut to crack for anybody. Much less, I mean, I think Ohio State's your only team that's going to have a shot. I think Clemson, if even then, healthy has a shot. I just I can't. I don't think Notre mm-hmm. Dame does. And I mean Georgia too. We should mention Georgia. And I I mentioned this in the pod Monday, and I feel bad for them because I think there's no way you can formulate an argument at the end of this season where you don't include Georgia and Alabama as two of the four best teams in the country. Like, I don't know how you make that case that one of those two do not belong in the biggest Mm -hmm. four of the season, but they're going to cannibalize each other. One of those teams is an SEC title game. And the way it's shaping up right now is one of them will get left out. And the reason that Alabama snuck in last year is because they avoided the SEC title game. And ah, man, I just, I think one of them's going to miss. I think it's going to be Georgia. You don't think, you don't, you don't think a one loss, let's let a one loss Bama team ranked number one at the end of the season, losing to a number two ranked Georgia team is does drops out of the top four. I do. Ooh. Because I think Ohio I State is undefeated. I think Clemson is undefeated. And I think mm-hmm. Notre Dame is undefeated. And you can't right. put a one-loss team in an, over an undefeated Power 5 team. That's, that, do it. That's, a, that, that's, a, that's not a conference champion. Exactly. Yeah. So, no. I don't think it's going to yep. happen. It's, because I, you look at Notre Dame. We already Dame's put schedule. Notre Dame in the playoffs last week. Yeah. <laughs> not, yeah. I mean, We've already put him there. I mean, their offensive line is insane. I thought it was going to fall off with Mike McGlinchey and guys moving on. Dexter Williams is averaging nine yards to carry. Like they have guys everywhere. Their defense is loaded still. Like they're not losing a game. I I don't want to jinx Notre Dame fans, but um, I just not I'm not I'm not knocking on wood on that one. Like okay. I wouldn't mind them falling by the wayside, but I don't. Think oh they're... man. Oh man. Yeah. Poor Notre Dame fans. Yeah. No. I, no. I'm 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 sorry, Notre Dameers, but I mean. I, I I kind of enjoyed them being irrelevant for a little bit, so oh. it, they, they could they could they could take a backseat every once in a while. Fire! Um, <laughs> oh my god! Just no I know, respect I know. for the Fighting Irish. No respect. No, I think they're. I know. I think they're a great team, and I think they're going to yeah. make the playoff. I put them in the playoff last week. So yeah, it's just. But I, I don't think I, they I want to see Alabama in that first game. Them. 
right? Like, we know what's happening here. Ian Book going up against Clemson and that defensive front. Like, we know how that's ending. We know what happens or, if they or play Alabama. Ohio State. Or Alabama in this play. What I will say, and this is important to remember, is just because Notre Dame might get blitzed by one of those four teams in the playoff does not mean that they were not a top five, top six team this year. It means there's 100%. just different tiers. And sometimes, like, it's just not enough. Maybe they just don't have the bodies. Now, if they are allowed to play Cole McDonald with that offensive line and Dexter Williams and everybody else, then anything's possible. Yeah, no. No? <laughs> have you watched any Cole uh, McDonald? Uh, we haven't talked about Hawaii. They are my, uh, I watch them every week. Uh, have you watched, they brought back the run and shoot. I didn't know if I, you knew this. I, I, I was listening a couple weeks ago to the pod and I, I heard you guys talking about Hawaii and honestly, I have not watched a single Hawaii game. I cannot, I cannot say I've, I've had, I've had time to, to stay up late and watch, watch the, watch the Rainbow Warriors. He is, um, Colt Brennan 2.0. It's, it's mm-hmm. a great thing. Hawaii, when they run the air raid, the run and shoot, John Ursua is like Devin Bass, <laughs> like reincarnated. Why it's, they would great. ever go away from it otherwise. Like you no. gotta make football fun on the island. Like that's, right. that's, that's just the way that's the way it's gotta be. You gotta you gotta try to put up seventy points a game and make it fun. He's I got love white that. dreads. I mean uh blonde dreads. Blonde dreads. That's pretty that's pretty sweet. If, if I could pull up blonde dreads, just, I'd, I would absolutely pull up blonde dreads. It's hey, but I, I I mean I, I don't know what NFL no media's uh hair policy is, but if you could do it, I, I think you should probably do it. Just because um, Daniel Jeremiah <laughs> might quit the show. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, him and Bucky, I think, would, would walk out. No, Bucky, I think, would... I, you would know better than me, but I think Bucky would be okay with it. He'd be like, you know what? He's trying, man. He's he, he's, he's trying, he's, I guess. Yeah, yeah look, I we'll guess. What, he's young. He can figure it out. He's still a, a, he can figure out. He's got a whole lot producer. of issues. Yeah. Thinking he could pull that off, but yeah, I Perfect. guess I guess he'll uh, I guess he'll be fine. Yep. Um, explain to me how Daryl Henderson did not uh, wind up at Tennessee. Oh my goodness, I have no idea, man. He's averaging no twelve idea. yards a carry, by the way. Legal, uh, con- he leads the country in this, and it's not like he's getting like a couple carries a game. No, he's he's carrying the ball several times, and he's just insane. There, there have been so many people that that Tennessee has missed on. It, it makes me sick, you know. Going back to shoot, Randall Cobb and uh, who else? Um, Riley Ferguson. Oh my goodness, Riley Ferguson. Yeah, well, Ferguson transferred. Peterman. Yeah. Uh, you're talking about. Oh my goodness, Forty ers linebacker Ole Miss. This is embarrassing. I can't. Um, Ruben oh Foster. Goodness. No, not Ruben Foster. No, he Bama, Ole, Ole Miss. Anyway, oh, oh, Patrick Cal- Willis. Patrick Willis. Right, exactly. Like the so many misses, and yeah, I would I would put him on right 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 there with him. Like it's 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 gross the amount of talent that comes out of that state that Tennessee misses on, especially recently, obviously in the down years. But even going back into the former era, it's kind of it's kind of sad. It's definitely Let's end a sad on a positive thing. note, Sully. Let's end. Uh, mm-hmm. Um. I'm not afraid to admit that this this story that I read by Dave even in uh, the Athletic, it uh, it was a it was a it was a sad one, but also a great one because, as you know, I have familiarity with Smokey. Apparently, it was Smokey Nine, not Smokey Ten, that I had met. But um, yes, Smokey uh, Ten, Smokey Eight, 
would have been Smokey Eight that you met because oh, there, right, there was right. one in the middle between the two of them that had a short stint. Right. So in this story, you learn that Smokey Nine tore his ACL, and a vet in the stands saw that and just like made a note to the Tennessee medical staff or whoever they're supposed to make a note to, and they like diagnosed mm-hmm. that he had a torn ACL because of the way he was walking, which is just the best that a vet could just like see from way up in the stands that like, oh, that dog's walking like has a torn ACL. Um, it that just seems funny to me, but his name is not Smokey. Did not know that before this article, that all the dogs' names are not Smokey. Because I'm pretty sure Uggas are named Ugga. I could be wrong, but I think they are. No. Smokey so, 10, his right. real name? Nugget. Nugget. Just a little nugget. Yeah, no, that, that story was great. Uh, and, and another athletic plug, obviously. That's a, that's a great story. But, yeah, that, I've, I've, uh, I've knew a lot of those details in that story, but didn't obviously know that the, 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 the one family has taken care of those Smokies for, for since, since the inception in the fifties. And the one, one, one crazy nugget from that story. Is that a pun? <laughs> pun intended. Yeah. Okay. Yes. <laughs> one crazy nugget around that story was, uh, uh, when Kentucky students actually stole Smokey, one of the Smokey two or three back in the fifties and sixties yeah. before the, the Tennessee Kentucky game. Another fun fact that I know actually about that story Vanderbilt in support of Tennessee stole the uh the beer barrel that that Tennessee and Kentucky used to play for in that rivalry stole it back from Kentucky that same year just just out of spite uh, uh against the Wildcats they, I guess for some reason they wanted to show some in-state pride okay but but yeah yeah you don't steal Smokey that's just mean no that's just weird why would you take someone's dog it's weird you, you don't just don't destroy take the that. property, just... burn some couches. Don't take the dog. What are you doing? Don't take the dog. <laughs> right? It can't be. It can't be still a mascot. So I know A and M and and Texas went through went through some stages like that between Reveille and Bevo. I'm pretty sure. And yeah, it's definitely definitely part of college football. But gotta say, yeah, Texas great story. Dog. Great. It's an ugly dog. I would oh, never own and, and Isn't that, it like a collie? Not, that's not. Collies aren't good dogs either. Ooh. Like, that's just not, they're not. It's really upsetting our Texas A&M listeners at this point in the podcast. But they're, Oh, they're not. They're not. And she's the highest ranking officer in, in their, their fake core cadets. Like, it's just a <laughs> weird situation down there in, in College Station. Uh-huh. When you're when you're when you're just not a good breed of a dog running your whole core, that's, mm. I, I don't think it's a good choice. No. So, I don't know. I've offended A and M fans, Notre Dame fans, and, and any collie owners out there. I do apologize, but I, I don't know. I guess I must be in a spicy mood. <laughs> and don't forget Hawaii. You just left them off again. Hawaii. Oh yeah, leaving them off all, your DVR. Of them out leaving, there. leaving them off the podcast. All kinds of stuff. Just so much disrespect tonight, Sully. So much disrespect. Hating, hating, hating. All right. Um, but this story, man, like, just I love these little details. Like, he has a weird life because you think about it, and you're like, this dog, like has a strict schedule and they like get like he gets pampered and like i just want to get in the mind of a dog for a day like this is the kind of dog that you're just that you think about and you're like isn't it just got to be weird to him that he has like a double life (laughs) he just Mm -hmm. he goes like he has these handlers that take care of him during the game and like getting him prepped and all and he like goes into a different zone and he like just knows that oh i have a job to do for the day and then he goes back to normal on his couch and Apparently they spend. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh no, no, no. Yeah, I was just yeah. going to say that he like, 
he just is able to compartmentalize and just like, oh, back, I'm back home with the Hudsons. I'm going to um, get back on my spot on the couch and watch TV that I'm, I only allow, I want to say, three channels. And if they change the channel from one of those three, he actually gets upset and like barks or something. So little another <laughs> right. little thing. Um, but yeah, what were you about to say? They 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 take that job very seriously. The train smoky AGR, the the fraternity on campus that's been doing it for years. Mm-hmm. Um, they those guys work with Smokey constantly, and the the family hand picks them. I think they mentioned that in the story. Yeah, they picked and, him. Like, hey, that, he that, was like the he he had some kind of issue. I know he was fat. Like I know that was one of the things he said. Like he had to go on a diet immediately. Yeah, he, he was fat and he had a hernia when he was hernia. A puppy. That's what it was. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But. They, they take that, that fraternity takes that job very seriously. And they're that we, um, yeah, yeah. I, I used to know a couple of the, the guys that did it and, and they're, I mean, that's, that's, that's a pretty prestigious gig to get the, to be able to handle around Smokey all the time. And it, I, 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 it's reading the story. I would kind of compare it to just like a, a, a drug dog or a police dog. It's, it's two different switches. One, you're, you're one moment you're, you're sitting on the couch and, then you hear you hear the band pull up, and it's like, oh, well, it's time to go to work. It's time to go run in front of 106,000 people and have fireworks, you know, popping off. And it, it, that was a really cool story to pull back the curtain and, and uh, get to know that family a little bit and get to get to know one of the better mascots, obviously biased a little bit, but better mascots in, in college football. No, he's a good mascot. I like him. And I also like that we the only reason that they picked a blue, I think it's a blue tick hound. Is that what it is? Blue tick hound. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they had like this dog show during halftime of a game in like 1953 or something. And Rev C.W. Mm-hmm. Wright, I want to say is his name, um, won. And he like, or they listened to like crowd support, which I think is interesting. Like, how do you really judge that? How accurate was it? Did it really get that much louder? Could you really tell the difference between certain dogs? Um, I don't know. I thought that was, right. it, it's baffling how some stuff just comes into, um, fruition for a lot of these universities like who was the first person to be like you know what what if we put on the intercom inner sandman what if we did that why not metallica that and makes the crowd sense goes with nuts. virginia tech yeah exactly exactly that that just this the natural way that that's the truly great thing about a tradition is the natural way that it happens or just crazy different aspects of it and how it boils over like the reason Smokey is a as a mascot is because he was howling and the fans loved it and went nuts and that's the reason why you have a blue chick coonhound as a, as, a, as a mascot for Tennessee it's it's wild um but we got to meet him I think that's our Chase Thomas podcast on the road is I do an interview in person with Smokey or Nugget excuse me do you think he knows both Nugget. names that so I I hear that dogs can can know dozens of names or, or recognize dozens of words uh, that, uh-huh. that kind of that kind of uh would would confuse me I, I, if 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 i was smoky like or, all right i guess smoky is my work name and then mm-hmm. when i get home you can call me nugget and i know that i can let loose and, and lie around on the couch and and watch espn yeah i i think yeah i think he it's probably like, does he's like a human that. that's what it took away from the story like he's just like a human it's really weird. He's like the traveling salesman or something. I don't know. It's really bizarre. I, I loved it. Yeah, yeah. That, that's he's 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 a really good dog though. Absolutely. I'm, I'm you better at, live I'm forever. I can't handle the follow up to this story. I already know where yeah. it's going. I know how the story ends. I don't want to follow up, David. You're not allowed to do a follow up nope. on how they look for Smoky Eleven. I'm good. I don't need to know nope. what happens to Smoky Ten. 
Nope. Smokey tends the best Smokey ever. Yeah, we need to keep this guy around. Exactly. You don't want an Airbud 2 situation. Ah, uh, yeah. Airbud 2, 3, 4, Airbud 65, the return of, of the, the, you know, the, 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 the vaunted goalie keeper or something. Right. I don't know. How many, how, how many different Airbuds have they had? Like, they went through it's soccer. Unbelievable. They went through hockey. They went through basketball, obviously. Uh, football. Yeah, they've, 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 the football was the most gone. absurd. The, I don't even think I watched Can you imagine one. being a child and like being a 13, 14 year old kid and you're being put in a position to tackle uh, a great pup? Oh, yeah. Just go tackle this good dog. Go break this dog's legs. Because I think one of the coaches in the don't movie actually him. said Just to tackle him. him. Yeah. Go yeah. hurt a yeah. dog. How mean. This is yeah, a that's children's exactly movie. What I want to do. And it's that's also a, not the same kid. dog, by the way. It's not. Uh, they changed dogs. No, and it's I like did... 15, different, 15 different golden retrievers. Yeah. Well, the original only made it in Airbud 1. And he's also the same dog from Full House. I learned that later on. That is a fascinating tidbit. Yeah, Comet, he's also Airbud. Just the more you know, man. The more you know. That's <laughs> that's insane. That's insane. I, yeah. That's, Wishbone, uh, because he could travel in time and could tell stories and uh, was so well-read and uh, had that kind of capability. That's my dude. People may not know this, but he's actually still alive. Wishbone. Wh- still around. The Jack yep. Russell Terrier that could. Like, the guy's going to live forever, obviously. He's a time-traveling yeah. dog. There's, Love there's that probably multiple, that multiple was like ones. the best that part of third show. grade for me. Um, when they would show, I think it was like on TV, we would get Wishbone. I would, I loved oh, Wishbone. Oh man, why did I go to school with you? That sounds awesome. It was the best. Love Wishbone, Shakespeare, Wishbone, all the uh, Sherlock Holmes episodes was, oh. was, was great. The best is the yeah, Halloween classics, one. the uh, Sleepy Hollow. That's always good, been my favorite. Good time of year to, to, to bring that one back. Absolutely. Perfect. I, maybe that's what we do next week. We just review the Sleepy Hollow <laughs> Halloween episode of Wishbone. Oh, man, yeah. And, that's and what we can do. Okay, fun. instead of watching Auburn, Tennessee, we watch We're watching, um, Wishbone Halloween episode. We figured it out. We figured it out. I think that would be at least more entertaining for the yeah. both of us. It's, it wouldn't be like gouging our eyes out watching this horrible football game. We'd be at least entertained and, and bring up bring some good nostalgia from, from the good old days. Right, back when uh, things were better. Like, maybe Wishbone is the carry-on Johnson of dogs of the 90s. Just old, reliable, enjoyable, get you through the Last time I saw that episode, Sean Ellis was picking up a fumble and taking it 80 yards against Auburn. So, yeah, I think think we need to watch that again. There we go. (laughs) All right, man. Well, this has been great, as it always is. So I appreciate taking the time. Um, We can find you on Twitter, as always. Sully Vol, we can listen to you on the move the sticks podcast or do you produce any other podcasts for NFL media? I, I, I help out on DDFP as well. The day damage check football program and around the NFL and, and fantasy. I, I have my, my hands in all of those. I, I okay. help out behind the scenes. I'm not the main producer, but yeah, definitely, uh, definitely listen and subscribe to all the NFL media podcasts, but specifically move the sticks for sure. Do that. And also I have one request for you to ask, um, on the podcast, I want you to post this to them to book to Bucky mm-hmm. and DJ. Which Airbud yep. movie is their Go favorite? Go for it. I, I oh, want their honest that's opinion. That's a good one. They both they both have kids, so I guarantee you I, they've they seen have a few to have seen them. At least a couple. They have to have. At least the first one, right? You right. got to at least see the first one. That's an all time classic. Oh, one hundred percent. 
15 kids movies around that era at least i'd say top 10 i still so, lose yeah. it at the moment where josh tries to get buddy to go chase the ball and run away and he gets on the boat and buddy comes out and you see him at the top of the island and then he runs down and tries to swim to the boat to josh and turns around because oh, he can't go i i just i i lose it man it 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 kills it's me so I'm like, bad. How is this a kids so movie? Sad. but then when he comes running yeah. out in uh timberwolves gear oh it's the best and he's uh, just allowed to check into the game. Like, they just allowed a dog to check in. It's normal things. Great stuff like normal that. Normal thing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Just do- another day in Washington. <laughs> the state of Washington. <laughs> Anything goes in high school bu- or middle school basketball. Anything Middle school Washington. basketball, yep. Yeah. I love it. All right, man. Well, this has been great, and uh, we will talk next week. All right, sounds good, man. Good talking. Good talking.